You know, it's been said that if you want to know what somebody truly values, you know where you look? You look at their checkbook. If you want to know what someone really believes, do you know where you look? You look at their life. You look at the way that they live. Because, friends, what we do really, really states what we believe. And there's some very practical examples of that. Somebody came rushing in here and they started yelling, fire, fire, fire. And all of a sudden you heard the buzzers going off. What are you going to do? Oh, I don't believe that. I'm going to sit right here. Uh, Not me. You're going to have to fight to beat me to the door. Why? Because I believe that danger is afoot, right? Yeah. What about, guys, if you're on the outs with your wife and she decides to fix your favorite meal out of nowhere, when you look at that, would you stop and wonder whether or not that had been poisoned? Would you be apt on some of those occasions to go, honey, I'm awful. I just don't think I'm going to. Because what we believe comes out in what we do. Because you see, what you believe about this existence affects how you live. Because we all live according to our beliefs. There is actually only one defining belief. One that affects all the other decisions that you make in life. And it's not carved in stone. You have an opportunity to change your mind. But if you don't get this one belief where you think you want to be, it's going to affect every other decision that you make. That one belief is... Answering the question for yourself, does God really exist or not? Because if you thought, stop and think about it, that'll affect everything else that you do in your life. If you believe that life on this planet is ultimately an accident and completely by chance that over hundreds of millions of years that things just happen to, by pure chance, get to where they are today. Then you're going to live this life for all you can get out of this life. You're going to go for the gusto. You're going to live for the here and now. You're going to live for the dot that your life is. Now think about it. If the world is hundreds of millions of years old and you're only going to be here 65, 75, if you live a really good life, maybe like Mary Lou, you can live to be 99. Happy birthday, Mary Lou. Remember, there's a short little reception uh, for, for Mary Lou when we're done. But you think about that. If you believe that the universe is hundreds of millions of years old, even if you lived to be a thousand years old, your life would be a dot on that line of age. But it's not. 
Most of us aren't going to live to be 100. And our time here is quite small. Which is to say, I don't care who you are. What you do is nothing in comparison to the span of time. Now, you may be a really good person. You may affect people around you. You may be a world beater. You may even be somebody like Alexander the Great and conquer the world. But you only conquer the world for that 70, 80, 90 years that you're here. And after a couple of generations, whatever you did, it might be a footnote in history. But I can tell you there's hundreds of millions of people who did great things that you've never heard of. Your life is but a drop in that span of time. Yet, if you believe that eternity, this little dot of a life, is on a line of eternity that goes on infinitely before we got here and infinitely after we leave, and you're still going to be alive when you leave here, that may be a different existence, but life continues, you're going to make a whole lot of different decisions about how you live in the here and now. You're going to live differently. You're going to live for the line of eternity. Now, there may be some dot decisions, things that you have to get done, But if your view is that there is a God and he's the creator and he is the one that's in control and through our soul that he gave us, we live for eternity. I mean, we get to decide where we live. Then that is going to affect our decisions in this life. Is it not? Yes or yes? Yes, it is. So, live for the line not for the dot. It's interesting. You know, we don't have to look very far to see that all ancient people saw that there had to be something greater than us. Their mythologies are full of of a belief in God or multiple Gods, some bigger, some stronger, some that transcend this world. In fact, when you really look at the pale of time that we know as history on this earth, atheism is the exception, not the rule. In fact, it's a relatively modern concept in the span of time that we know. I'm going to talk about five key concepts of God this morning. They're fairly general. And, um, you know, we come here, we talk about God every week because there's always something new. So I don't expect to be able to wrap everything into this little short time that we have today. But there are just a couple of things I want to get across. One is that God is real. When you look in Genesis, the book of beginnings, 
out of the five books of Moses, it starts by saying, in the beginning, God. Do you realize that the Jews never attempt to explain where God came from? He is always here. They never talk about his origin. Now, if you look at the, the Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, and their mythology, mythologies and uh, the mythologies of other ancient peoples, that they all have some kind of, a, of an origin story for the gods or how they got to be where they are. And again, all of the ancients assumed that there was an existence of some god or the gods the real historical debate out there, when you really stop to look at it, is what is God like? And how do we relate to whatever the God is? It is modern man who engages in philosophical arguments over God's existence. And most of the time, I don't care if you're which side of the aisle you're on, it's a very tedious game of chess that gets played. Yet an honest atheist does not claim to have unlimited knowledge of the universe. In fact, an honest atheist cannot claim to know for sure that God does not exist. You ever heard of this little thing called the scientific method? You know, how we try to determine what's true? We do that through what? Through some sort of experiment. What are we doing with an experiment? We are looking for an outcome that is what? Consistent. That happens over and over again. And you have to be able, by the scientific method, to be, have the ability to replicate that experiment, there has to be repeatability. How do we do that when we're talking about the origins of the world or the origins of man? Because you see, even those that want to say that this is what science believes, by the way, that was stolen from Christianity too. Um, because the early scientists, you go back and you look through history, they're people of faith. What they're really trying to figure out is how God made things and made them to operate. It's far apart from where we think about science today. But science can't repeat the creation of anything when you really stop to think about it. There's an old story about a scientist who challenged God and he said, you know, I can create just like you because I know all of these things. We, we're, we're cloning plants, we're cloning animals, we can clone body parts. You ever seen those pictures of them growing an ear on the back of a mouse? It's kind of gross. And eventually, maybe, humans... And this scientist looked at God and he said, I challenge you to a creation duel. And God looked at him and 
decided that, you know, he'd just take him up on his challenge. So the scientist said, good, good, good. And he reached down and he scooped up some, some dust and he started to form it. And God said, no, 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 no. You have to get your own dust. All an honest atheist can do is say that he or she hasn't yet found enough evidence to believe that God exists. Ultimately, both theism, a belief in a God, and atheism, when it comes right down to it, are both faith systems. Why is that important? Because that's the beginning of how you're going to live your life. Is when you settle that particular fact. That question. Now Christians obviously believe that God is real. And there are some good solid reasons to believe that this is the case. But ultimately it's still a matter of faith. But God being real means we are never alone. We read in Psalm 139 as David writes about God and his vastness. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. And if I make my bed in the depths, literally at Sheol, the grave, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle to the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If God exists, then there is nowhere in the universe where we can escape his presence. Do you know why? Because he is bigger than the universe. Creator God is the only thing that is self-existent. That's why we call him a living God. Now you and I, left to ourselves, we will die. Because we need some things in order to live. The first one is what? Air, first order of life, right? You've got to be able to breathe. And we need water. And we need food. And we need shelter. These things for our physical existence. But do you know what else we need? We need nurturing. We need love. We need a a meaningful connection in our spiritual existence. Our spiritual existence. That stuff that's not physical. Okay? That, that inner part of our being, that conscious mind, the intellect, things like concepts like truth and love and right and wrong, these are all spiritual things. And God is spirit. And Jesus told a Samaritan woman one time that God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit 
and in truth. You know this verse. I really don't have time to dissect this today. Just suffice it to say that God is spirit and Jesus Christ. What did he say? I am the way and the, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except how? Through me. God is spirit. Christ is truth. Spirit is not composed of physical matter. God has no physical properties like size and shape and sex and weight and color. His existence cannot be proved by our five senses, yet he makes himself known through the world that he created. You remember that night when Nicodemus, over in John 3, he comes to Jesus and he starts asking questions, and Jesus starts talking about the Spirit, God's Spirit. You remember what he equated it to? He equated it with the metaphor of the wind. Do you know where the wind comes from, Nicodemus? Do you know where it's going? Is it a thing or is it the result of something else? And what is that something else? Since God is not physical, family, we have to approach him through our spirit. We have to approach God in an appropriate way that corresponds with the way God is. Do you believe that you have a spiritual nature? That there is more to you than just a physical body and a physical existence? Do you pray? And when you pray, do you believe that there is something or someone who is listening to you? And on whose terms do you approach God? Do you approach Him on your terms or on His? Contrary to other ancient and even some modern religions, we believe that God does reveal himself. John, 1 John 1, the message we have heard from him and we declare to you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies Proclaim the works of his hands. Romans 1. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what he has made, so that men are without excuse. Nature screams of a designer that there's intelligent design behind it 
Who is that? Well, he reveals himself. See, contrary to other ancient and modern religions, we believe that this God, the God of the Jews, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, the one who came in the flesh and died on the cross and made all of us acceptable to him. That this God makes himself known because he is personal and he wants a relationship with us. And he cares about his creation. Especially for the creatures in his creation that have a soul, that have a spirit, that reason and think and love and exercise moral will that the animal kingdom does not have. In fact, the animal kingdom basically goes around every day and answers three questions. One, can I eat it? Two, is it going to eat me? Three, can I mate with it? There's a lot of people who have reason and thinking that give themselves over to what's really beneath who they are. Because God's given us spirit. He's given us a, a moral quality and ability to love. Let's not demean ourselves into acting like animals. Humans can think altruistically. Do you know what altruism is? It's that ability to think about the good of the other person and to act for their good without any expectation of any return to yourself. You are just doing it because you want to. It's kind of wrapped up in that Agape love that we learn about from God through the scriptures. A self-limiting good for the group and for a community that values and protects the weakest among them. The ability to think and care beyond our own immediate existence the ability to manipulate our environment to create heat in winter amen God thank you for giving us that cold in the summer electricity plastics vehicle to explore outer space and to explore inner space and to be able to cure diseases and we can go on and on with that right But you see, one thing that humans do that animals don't do is we actually have the ability to seek to have to better the lives of future humans, of those that will come and live after we die. Which, by the way, no other primate ever does the 
God is not arbitrary. He is not vindictive. He's not an impersonal force. He is loving and caring and altruistically forgiving. That's the kind of being our God is. And he longs for us to recognize that he wants to have a relationship with you, with all of us. Friend, where do you turn to the most for love and acceptance? You turn to your parents, spouse, maybe friends, maybe kids, co-workers. Have any of them ever rejected you when you reached out to them? God will never reject you when you reach out to him. For God is an infinite force of love and acceptance. God's very nature is to love altruistically. And this personal God has opened up his heart to us. And I don't know about you, but I think this God is pretty awesome. First Chronicles 29, 11, King David is coming to the end of his life. He's on his deathbed and he prays, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. Amen? Amen. And we go back to that psalm we started with where David wrote where can I go from your spirit where can I flee from your presence and we know the answer to that don't we even in days and times when we want to forget about it we still know the answer to it don't we The all-powerful God has a capacity and a will to do anything that he wants that's within his character and nature. All that is within the universe was made by him and for him and through him. And friend, he cares for you. When you, face, when you face an impossible situation, where do you turn? When the biopsy comes back, cancer. When business fails. When your marriage is crumbling. Where do you turn for help? For if God is as often awesome as we say 
he is. Friend, his hand is never too far away to reach us. And he's never, and you are never away from his power. All he asks is that you recognize his existence. And in that one thing that defines everything else that you are, that one decision, that one fact, that there is a God who loves you, you should seek after finding out who that is. And it will change the course of your life. There's so much more that we can say about God that we just don't have the time to do right now. It can fill a lifetime, really. You know that. We've just touched on the surface. You look back at your sheet there, God is real, God is spirit. He reveals himself as a personal God, and we know he is awesome. God separated a people to himself with the desire to make himself known. And he spoke through the prophets of old to tell of his majesty. And he saved them through a worldwide flood. And later, he parted the Red Sea for them. And still later, in the form of Jesus of Nazareth, he walked on a raging sea of Galilee and then calmed the storms. He showed his love for Israel by forgiving them over and over and over and then taking them into the promised land. And through Christ, God became flesh. And he showed us the ultimate promised land. A land where there will be no more death or dying or sickness or pain. For the old order of things will pass away. And friend, we are never too far from his voice, from his care, and from his reach. You see, friend, when it comes down to it, the Christian faith is about personally encountering this God. About knowing him in a way that transforms us because we were created to know him. In a moment, the worship team's going to come up here, but I want you to take that connection card that's, that's in your bulletin and I want you to pull it out. And I want you to write your name on it, email everybody. If you're a first-time or second-time guest, please, if, if you want to give us more information, do. If you don't, don't. Uh, but just mark it for us so that we know you were here. 
But I want you to turn to the back. This is a call to action. This is a next step, okay? If you want to learn more about becoming a Christian, you want to learn more about this God and who we are in light of who he is, you want to learn about what it is to become a member here or serving here, uh, mark that. We'll, we'll get you some information. I'll sit and talk with you. But you see my next step today, you see that section? Why don't you memorize a verse, or better yet, why don't you read Psalm 139 and hear or remind yourself of how King David describes this awesome God that we serve. You'll note also that the Saturday the 22nd, the guest services volunteer training You've got a date and a time. If you want to become a part of that group, just mark it. We'll, we'll get your name down. We'll give you more information as we go forward. But if you're here today and you need to come into a relationship with the God that we serve, why don't you do it? Why don't you come? In a moment when the worship team comes, as they are playing, our gentlemen, our servers will come and they will, will collect up your tithes and offerings and they'll collect those connection cards. Just stick them in, in the bag as they come by. Pray with me if you would. Father God, you transcend language. We can't possibly know everything about you. But we thank you that through your word and through living life with you and our personal experiences of you in life, that we get an opportunity to find out who you are and who we are. And we thank you for the invitation that you give us to join with you in a personal way. And we thank you for the forgiveness that comes from the cross. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.